Welcome. Welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work of the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join us, First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as we discuss topics that are focused on children ages zero to five and of course their families. Our goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Hello, Heidi. How are you doing? Good. Happy to be here with you talking about milestones today. Yes, such an important topic. And I know we've mentioned it in past conversations around development, but I think it's important that we really pinpoint some of that and talk about the ages and stages of kind of the developmental milestones that we know about and how it differs from child to child, but that there are some parameters around that. And then some of the you know, maybe angsts of being a parent yes. and, and your firsts and sometimes for you as a parent who have had multiples or, you know, it's going to be your only child or you're, you know, it's your niece and you're like, oh my goodness, it's the first and the last, or it's yes, the first actually, time this child, yes. but it's the last time for this child. I mean, so, I mean, yeah. there's just lots of feelings for parents, I think around some of these and some frustrations sometimes, right? Yeah. So milestone, what do we mean? Essentially we mean, you know, kind of predictable and bigger pieces of development that most children will go through that you will notice. Um, And notice I say most because there's the very famous crawling idea, right? So there is a milestone of moving your body, of crawling, um, but not all children crawl. If you're one of those parents that had a kiddo that went straight from scooting to walking, you know that, right? Right. So, And we used to tell, um, and I would still recommend that you help your child go ahead and crawl. There's some spatial (laughs) things that they learn in their brain. Brain development is important and there's reasons why certain stages happen, but scooting has some of that. However, crawling um, with the knees and arms working in a different rotation helps that cross cranial um, collaboration of the brain. So you, those hemispheres need to be discussing with each other, how your brain, how your body is working. So, you know, they should crawl, but yes, exactly. Like we know that sometimes people are just different in their, yeah, exactly. It's a different path. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that we have, um, you know, an idea of why a certain part of development is important, but that kids are going to do it in their own time and in their own way sometimes. And whether your child is taking a developmental path that like, you know, moving through the crawling example that includes that or not, there are milestones, right? There are significant points in development when you notice them move from one skill set and knowledge set to another. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes they're so excited about it. And think about too, during those uh, times where they're learning something new and they haven't quite been able to achieve the task. It's similar to when we're trying to teach our children later on, right? So if they're if they're constantly able to try and walk and they fall, it's similar to them trying to learn to ride a bike and fall, uh-huh. right? So we just tend to be a little bit more protective in certain arenas due to the risk that's a little bit more involved. But you do have to try things over and over again throughout our lives before we can master something. And that's going to be something that's important to remember as developmental milestones are coming into play and as you're hoping and, you know, making sure that your child's progressing along that developmental pathway and journey, you know, appropriately. Now, we like to think about the process of approaching milestones as important as the milestones themselves, right? So that process of, of learning to ride a bike, 
um, which actually in my neighborhood, two almost four-year-olds have learned to ride their bike in the last couple weeks. And my three and a half-year-old is desperately trying, but she's just not quite there, right? Her <laughs> balance and brain and body just don't quite have it. So that process of her trying and falling and skinning her knees and getting back up again um, is as powerful to her brain development as the other kiddos who get to celebrate that milestone of riding, right? And it really is powerful when you see the child themselves celebrate and the pride and kind of self-awareness and self-concept that happens when they realize that they just made it through this process. Exactly. And it is so, it's so helpful to, you know, uh, as a parent to see and witness that as well. So knowing that your child might be going through these milestones, but you're definitely going through them with them, you know, so what are some of the key milestones that you think of when you hear milestones? I, you already mentioned one, which yeah. is crawling, right? Yes, and then walking. Yeah. Um, those are definitely milestones and you're going to see those, you know, again, depending on your child, you know, different parts and, you know, in their lives. And, you know, you are hoping that they're doing it a little bit more quickly than later. Yeah. Like you don't want them to learn to walk at three. You want them to learn to walk closer to two. You know, we don't want them um, too far behind. Um, and that's why there's the ages and stages questionnaire that people can go to through Help Me Grow or through some of the other organizations within our communities. But what are some of the things that you think of when you hear milestones? Well, one of the biggest ones I think about is communication, which is a really broad milestone, yes, right? Like, yes. so it's not about word production. It's not about learning to speak a certain language, but rather just actually communicating your needs, which can happen in a lot of different ways. Definitely. I think, you know, it's important for us to remember that babies begin to babble first, right? So they, you know, they're beginning to coo at you right at the beginning. And those are all points and signs and determines nations of communication. And then they're going to start to string those cooing sounds together to make some babbling sounds. And that's why mama and papa and dada are all actually very common in every single language across all of the human race, right? So, you know, because those are very easy sounds for a mouth to make. <clears throat> There's usually, yes, universally, there is some like sim similar sound repetition, yes, right? That yes. represents those, those pieces. And I think that also is something that if you're not looking for it and noticing, sometimes you miss in the day-to-day, -day, um, I don't want to say, Oh, just business, right? right? Just, the yeah, day to, the, the day to day, hairiness of the day, yes, the, yes, everything that you got to get done, and the lack of sleep sometimes because that's yes. definitely still something that is happening yes. at that age. But it's a milestone that really, when you dig into it, it opens up their world, right? Yes, that communication, yes. and it's something that we want to return to. So, um, I have a, a colleague that she is a foster mom for a four and a half year old right now. And so this little boy has learned to communicate. He, you know, probably I, I don't, we don't know when because she didn't have him, but roughly I'm guessing between six to eight months, he learned how to communicate his needs to some degree. Right. Right. And that is still being developed because as you, your needs change, how you communicate them changes. And she has to be very attuned to noticing how that's being done. It's not always done with words. And for example, in this instance that I'm thinking about, his communication of his needs was done by 
pointing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't notice it, you don't realize that it's actually super meaningful, right? Like it's getting that underlying very deep need met. And when you acknowledge it, then it almost opens up that their world again to develop the next milestone. Exactly. And I think, you know, that can happen with older siblings too, with younger siblings, right? Because older siblings that want to maybe be more of a caretaker can sometimes, you know, when the pointing happens, that's the communication. They read it right away a lot of times. Um, And that can, you know, be of great benefit, you know, teaching a baby sign language um, is often easier initially than their ability to enunciate a word. And so you can actually have them grasp language in a different way more quickly if you do some what we call baby talk signs. Mm -hmm. And they're simplistic sign language um, pieces that you don't have to be a sign language interpreter or have as great a knowledge around sign language. But it's definitely helpful for the communication, like more and milk and, you know, some simple kinds of things in terms. But and the the I, I love that. I love the baby signs and the communication because we notice those things, they don't completely go away and that's okay. Right. Because sometimes as you progress through milestones, you still use some of the skills and knowledge you had in those other milestones, even if it is maybe more rudimentary and that's okay yes. because our brain needs more options. And so, and we're building that, yeah, right? We're building yeah. our brain structure. And I kind of remind people, you know, I use that analogy of building a foundation of a house, right? It's the same thing for your brain and you're building it. It's building upon some of those neural pathways that are already there and you're just deepening them and, and helping that um, particular skill set to be more and more developed. And you're not going to forget the things necessarily. You might not use them as often, but sometimes you will. You'll go back to utilizing them. That's the other piece too around milestones and remembering some of the milestones that I think about when we talk about that is potty training, right? Potty training is a milestone. That one's a difficult one for, you know, and it's different for boys and girls. It's different based on, you know, your own family culture Mm -hmm. around that. But definitely one of the things that happens is sometimes a child will hit a milestone and then a traumatic event or a change in their complete routine will happen and they will you know, regress, what we call regress. Even a small change that as families, we might not even notice. Right, exactly. (laughs) Or, you know, and you were just talking a little bit before we started this about your child having a hard transition, which is not a typical thing for her when she's dropped off at her educational setting, right? Like it's just not typical. Right, no, she doesn't typically get sad. And we, so we've passed this, kind of attachment milestone, right? Where she knows I'm returning. She knows that, or she knows that somebody's returning for her. It's not always me. Um, And, but today was hard. And so I was trying to notice, I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's shifted? What's changed? I was telling, telling Wendy, I really hope we don't wake up sick tomorrow. Right. (laughs) You never know, right? Sometimes they just don't, they don't know themselves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so they can't necessarily communicate what it is about today. And, you know, the other piece that I always, I'm always reminding um, you know, people is that kids also have bad days. And sometimes we don't give them permission to have bad days. We have bad days and we're like, yeah, it's just a bad day. Sorry. I'm so cranky. But when a kid has a bad day, that's not allowable, right? For some reason, even though they're humans, we think that their day could not have been as bad as ours. And I'm not saying that it's the same (laughs) kind of bad, right? But it's definitely, they have their own things, right? They're working through issues. They're working through, they may not have had a great night's sleep. Maybe their brains are overworking in the moment and trying to figure something out. And they don't necessarily know how to verbalize it. So, and they're just growing. I mean, that's actually something to acknowledge through milestones is 
especially under a year old, you will notice your kids get crankier and more tired right before a brain shift occurs. Yes, and thank you. Good all point. these new milestones seem to have been met. Good, and good. Point. Hindsight is really 2020, right? You're <laughs> like, oh, that's why we haven't slept for the last three weeks right. because now you're learning to sit up and reach. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. And people <laughs> sometimes don't realize that, right? So when you're, you know, all of a sudden having a baby who's been sleeping really great and all of a sudden that is not the case, or they're a really mild child most of the time. And all of a sudden they're super cranky, they, or they're a cranky child. And now they're extra cranky. A lot of times it means that their brain is really working through some of the new things they're going to be learning and trying to, you know, digest all of that and work it through into what they know as a piece of their flow in their lives. And it is true that you are going through growth when you go through growth spurts, when you go, there's often behavior changes that are helping give us a cue about that, but you know, we don't always it or no. So how can we predict that? How can we get deeper understanding or even just a go-to resource um, as, for families, childcare providers, any, any early educator that's wanting to say like, gosh, how do I know what's coming next? So I think there's several different resources that our communities have available to them. Definitely, I mentioned earlier the ages and stages questionnaire. You are going to go through that. It's going to talk about some questions. It's actually going to pinpoint to you whether or not your child is developmentally on track or whether there's some places you could maybe help with the development or if you really need some extra additional yeah. support around development. And it and then there's tip sheets that go along with that if you definitely need some um, pointers or just to keep your baby on track. Sometimes it's fun to have little extra new things to know to do with your baby. But you can also talk to Help Me Grow. Both Tehama yeah. County and Shasta County have helped me grow. Those are great resources around making sure that you know about what is age appropriate for your child, what is developmentally um, a milestone. And if your child is, you know, we kind of say, you know, your child is not necessarily going to hit the milestone as every other child. So it's right. very <laughs> important that you don't think that just because your neighbor's two-year-old or your sister's two-year-old or your brother's two-year-old or your friend's two-year-old is doing that, that means your child's going to have to do that because sometimes children develop faster or slower. And we have to be careful that we're not putting that on another child. Now, however, if, you know, the child is not doing something at two, and then they're not doing it still at three, that might be a, a red flag. And that's why the ages and stages questionnaire is so important. Um, and what and, the questionnaire really does, I think, help with in that respect is that it isn't, it isn't a one once and done um, tool. So exactly. for example, you can have a conversation, you can um, figure out what are things that you're noticing your child doing. And it's about what you notice your child doing with you and in your home, which means that they're in the most comfortable setting. And you do that, you know, at about six months, you can do it again around 12 months, and you can start to see some trends. And sometimes, for example, my one of my very best friends, she had an early talker and a late talker, right? Yep. And so she was super concerned about the late, late talker. talker. But the late talker, when you do the ages and stages questionnaire, was communicating, mm -hmm. right? And so just because it's not verbal communication doesn't mean you have that don't have that skill set, right? And so that's one of those great things that when you just are comparing without a tool, you might automatically think something's wrong or there's a deficit when really when you get the bigger picture that the ages and stages questionnaire can provide you understand like okay I'm just going to lean into what this child's journey is or sometimes you fill in in your head oh they're doing that they're doing that 
and without the tool, you don't notice maybe they're really not doing that and they do need extra support. Right. And the ages and stages questionnaire starts as early as um, about two months old. So you actually even have, you know, because at two months, the rolling over yes, on your stomach, yes, yes. that's a milestone. And you do want some things to be happening. Again, though, that is a guideline. Like not every child are hard and fast rule going to be rolling at two, but there's things you can do to help. You know, you make sure there's tummy time. You, you know, are making sure that you're, you know, laying them on the floor on their belly with them, you know, sitting next to them or whatever. So there's things you can do and there's tip sheets around some of these pieces and parts if you're concerned. Um, That is the other piece that I think is so important about the ages and stages. It kind of does put into perspective for you, like you were just talking about, like, it isn't really a concern. They are communicating. These yeah. are some tools though yeah. you can help if you want more verbal communication right. Yeah. so that you're not feeling like your child is far behind. You know, the importance of knowing, or, you know, what is happening for your child that each of their abilities to grow and develop and their age in conjunction with that is having appropriate expectations because appropriate expectations are going to reduce the frustration of the care providers in that child's life, knowing what to expect, when to expect it, and that there is a little bit of leniency within that is important because sometimes we have really inappropriate age expectations. We expect things too much, or we have a lackadaisical approach to it, which is also unbeneficial for a child. There's another resource that really complements the ages and stages questionnaire, and it's a website called allaboutyoungchildren.org. And I think we've linked to it before, but it is phenomenal. So first, yes, of it, yeah. first it's phenomenal because it's in eight different languages. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right? Um, Best time to teach your child, zero to five, second, third, fourth language. Yes. Do it then. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I have huge, huge, huge soapbox for me to talk about uh, learning two languages at one time early on, but it has the um, kind of overarching what's going on in the child's brain with regard to physical development, language development, social emotional development, and it has it broke it down into zero to eight months, eight to, oh gosh, eight to 18 months, maybe 18 to 36 months and so on and so forth up to five years. So you can go, you can choose the language you want to read in. You can um, choose the age range that you want to check out. Gives a little bit of background information about what's going on in the child's brain, which absolutely matches the ASQ tool and tips and activities. And then it gives some things that you can do with your child at home in conversation. And it provides a video of parents just like yourself watching their child's development and talking about what they notice at home. So if, you know, you're having a hard time visualizing, like, what does this actually look like? It gives that example for you. Um, So I just think it is so valuable. I share it with all my friends that are completing an ages and stages questionnaire because it's a way to go deeper, a different way to look at things, different language. And it was really written through the lens of a parent. Yeah. And I think the other wonderful thing about that resource is that if you're a care provider, or early educator, it also gives you ideas on how to talk to or discuss things with a parent. So it may be written or um, videoed in the eyes of a parent, but it really can be extrapolated to you as a person working with a parent or, you know, needing to help a parent see something. And then you can give that as a resource to the parent along with the resource around ages and stages questionnaire and help me grow. And the CDC actually has, and we um, in Shasta County did, um, we have a 
uh, brochure with it on it um, that shows the child's early development from six months to four years. So it leaves out a little bit, but it kind of talks a little bit about some of those key milestones yeah. and then a little bit of what you could be doing yeah. um, with those. And, and remember, milestones aren't just about language, verbal, yes. or communication, but it is about physical development. It is about social, emotional yes. development. We want to be developing children who know how to begin to cope with their emotions and deal with them in an appropriate functional manner for our societal expectations. And that's really what we're trying to achieve, right? And we don't want them to always tantrum, but that's a part of learning, right? Mm -hmm. So when children are doing that tantrum, and I, I really have a hard time and difficult time when people call it the terrible twos, because I think it's the wonderful twos. Like, they are learning so much about independence and so much about themselves and their tantrums are really a result of all of that learning a lot of times but also in how to navigate emotion with other people how do we because up to that point we've really they've cried and stuff a lot of times we've figured out what they need but now they become so much more independent and they don't have all the language around that yet that yes. we haven't figured it out. So it gets frustrating for them. And that's when a tantrum, or they really believe they deserve something. And you're like, I'm setting a boundary and we're not going to do that right now. Oh, and that's their the way boundaries. of showing you, yeah, the boundaries, <laughs> telling you that they're not happy with that boundary. And they haven't learned yet how to express their unhappiness in a more appropriate way. So it's really the wonderful twos, in my opinion, because that's when it typically happens. Not that it doesn't well, happen to threes and fours. <laughs> I can always make it through twos. Threes are hard for me. Like once they get even more independent and they can't yeah. articulate their needs And they anymore, say no, no. Right? And they say no kindly. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. Now I have to acknowledge that. Or they I don't want to have to acknowledge that. I don't want to respect your no. <laughs> right? Well, and I'm telling you, and then, and then they get into the teenagers and they can really articulate the good reasonings as to why they should yes. be allowed to do something. And you're like, that is a great, you should become an attorney because that was a great <laughs> argument. However, I'm still sticking to my boundary here. Right. Um, but yeah. anyway, and, and really knowing those hills to die on yeah. when it comes to the milestones and what, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of judgment around people and how they parent and the belief that corporal discipline is the only real way of disciplining that's going to effectively create a human that has respect, which is, in my opinion, not necessarily true. And you do have to find what works for your child when it comes to creating boundaries and having structure. And that does not mean they don't have consequences. Consequences look different for every family, but you can create an effective, you know, tool within other forms of discipline aside from corporal. That's interesting. So there's this video in all about young children when you're really, we're kind of leaning into what does it look like to develop these social emotional skills. And one of the, the dads in the video says to one of the early educators, y'all just have so much patience. I don't have the patience you have. And it's my favorite quote because the early educator looks at him and says, you know, I don't know that it's patience. I think it's understanding, which creates empathy. And then at the end, he's like, you know, I, 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 when you said understanding, I didn't get it, but now watching the kind of developmental milestones, I, I think I do. And understanding more what that child is developing, maybe I'll have that patience too, which every single time I watch it, I get the chills because I think that developing that understanding of milestones, what's happening, what are those developmental shifts in our brain that's occurring? It absolutely gives us the tools to help that more but it gives us our own internal grace, right? So that we don't feel For like we're sure. having to be in control of something and that it's okay to just understand. And I think that that can shift 
practice behavior and parenting. For sure. Yeah. I think the other piece is a lot of times parents feel like they have to always be in control or be in the know, right? And so if you can take a step back, acknowledge that they're in a different learning and developmental stage and that they don't necessarily understand the world the same as you, obviously, having had more experience, but that we are still learning things and you can learn from your children as much as they're learning from you. And if you step back and take that approach, sometimes what they're doing is showing you a different route, right? <clears throat> and it may not be the right route, um, but it is definitely a different route. And how are they gonna navigate that? And some of them working through problems and issues without you as a parent putting and overlapping on them your own desire for that outcome is important, yeah. you know? And in doing that, letting go of some of that control, but helping guide them through it is difficult. Yeah, it is. And I think it really requires, you know, back to your, your famous, connection to the village, right? Mm -hmm. It requires having able to have conversations with other parents that are open and vulnerable and not feeling like they're comparing and judgmental. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. So leaning into that, um, what are some resources for parents that want to get more involved and kind of have these conversations about milestones that you can think of locally? So locally, I think there are some programs that are available through um, our Pathways to Hope for Children, and oh, they nice. do, um, and through Head Start, actually, they do have parent, what we call parent cafes, and these are actually venues for parents of all sorts of backgrounds to come together to talk about some of the challenges, some of the things that are working really well to discuss things just yes, like this with yes. an open mind, an open heart, and um, a desire to network with other parents and learn from other parents and each other and, and provide some opportunity for someone to learn from you. Yeah. Um, but it really does help with the understanding a lot of times of the developmental appropriateness, but then also provide you with a social networking, right? And we know that, you know, when we're building up ourselves, we need to have friends that we can rely on and we need to have people we can talk to. Um, so I think that's one of the great ways. There's also parent partner programs that are available out there that um, are also through a variety of different resources um, and home visiting programs that are um, there and help, and help me grow in our areas can help you get located into one of those, but also just knowing that you can go to Pathways to Hope or go to yeah. Head Start or go to um, you know, Northern Valley Catholic Social Services that, that's in both of our counties or in, in a lot of the counties up here in the uh, northern part of California, but also in communities all over the place, there's these types of programs that are home visiting our parent partner programs that support you in learning, you know, things like Triple P, which yeah. is a parenting education tool that's um, evidence-based, as well as maybe Safe Care, which is also another parenting education tool that's evidence-based. So there's a lot of different ways yeah. We have, so in Tehama County, you can pretty much access, excuse me, <clears throat> anything similar in Tehama County. And if you can get to help me grow through 211, you'll get there. But for us, our home visiting collaborative, so we have about four to five um, evidence-based home visiting programs in the county, and they come together as a collaborative and they offer yes. parent cafes, which is really, really wonderful because then you're getting also some cross relationships between families and different programs. And so I, if you're interested in that, then you can access that through our Pregnancy to Preschool Partnership number. And we'll put that down um, in the link and um, even uh, 
a fillable form that you can get somebody to call you back if you're interested in parent cafes. And also it's just really critical that you find your people to talk with. And so there are many Facebook groups, but mm -hmm. I do wanna, I just wanna highlight that sometimes when you're getting especially milestone information from these groups, it may you may have to start asking yourself, is this the best place to get it? And so um, I that's a great that. point. No, I think that's a wonderful point. You have to be careful because you know not everyone's an expert. What they're going to talk about is their own pathway and journey as a parent, typically, um, unless they have child development backgrounds. And you know, you can go, and that's why I think there's other resources yeah. like yeah. Help Me Grow and the Ages and Stages Questionnaire, Head Start, other places, the state preschools yes, that yes. you can go to to get information, even if your child isn't attending, if you feel the need. And 211 is available in both of our communities, <clears> and they uh, can connect you to locations or programs that have more information. It is important you're getting your information from around the ages and stages from reliable resources. Yes. Your pediatrician also can be of assistance. Yeah. So making sure you're doing your well-child checkups. If you have questions, you can ask your pediatrician. Sometimes they may or may not have in that moment, in that day, and there are millions of other things that they're trying to achieve for other families as well, the time to sit with you, but then they're going to give you some resources. But that's why I think it's so important. We have Help Me Grow in our communities right. because it really does help you get to a place of knowing what's really appropriate. The things about the parent cafes that I think is most important is that you're going to be able to hear from other parents like, oh, my kid was really behind in that, but now they're yes, just fine. Or, yes. oh, my kid was advanced in that. And now they're, you know, kind of with their peers and that can happen. Right. But you're also going to be able to talk through some of your frustrations and, and have somebody else who, you know, relates to you within that, which can be of assistance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. So I actually, okay. I have to, I have to just have to share the story now. So I, um, I have a almost seven or almost eight year old. And when she was in kindergarten, I got a letter sent home um, that she needed to have an SST because she wasn't. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Um, well, in the district I'm in, we call them a student success team. Oh. In most other districts in the world, they're called a student study, study team. team. That's yes. what we call it here. Yeah. Uh, so it was just a positive spin on it. I like that though. Right? I know. So um, the idea being that something is developmentally not on the pathway they want. They want to bring the, bring the troops together, see what they can do about it. I got to tell you, I know what it's for. And that does not mean that I felt good getting that letter, right? right I right. know. Yeah. If, yes, if something's not going the pathway that we think it should, and we think that they need extra help, absolutely, I want extra help. And I still felt intense shame and like right. something's wrong. But it's not right. right? Yeah. And so you know, we go through the process and 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 so on and so forth. Um, and well, this happened to also happen like right before our uh, national pandemic or like not national, right? Universal pandemic. World um, pandemic. Yeah, world pandemic. So uh, the the actions laid out to occur didn't actually occur, you know, obviously because we everything shifted and changed. Point being that around six and three quarters, almost seven, it just shifted for her. And all of a sudden she started reading very, very quickly and comprehension, quick. right? And so I tell that story to say, sometimes the milestones we're looking at are not always the target that we really need to be for that child. Right. And it's okay to feel like bummed or shame or regret about it and also try and hold that feeling and think it's going to be okay. I just got to follow the journey. I got to give them what I, you know, give them all the supports I can and for follow the journey. Sure. For sure. Because as with anything in our lives, development is a journey. Yeah. 
And if you think about it as an adult, I think sometimes we forget that it actually is something that plays through our entire life, right? It just looks different. So the milestone journey is a journey, just like us learning something new for a job we want to take on or learning something new because we have a hobby that we enjoy. It's a journey. We don't expect it to be right. And we don't expect to do it at the same pace as everyone around us. Yet, when we're told as a parent, our child isn't on track, right? Uh, that they may need extra assistance. We're like, especially I think if you've worked in the early childhood <laughs> education and you're like, what did I do to right. miss that? You know, or you know about ages and stages and your teacher or your early child care provider and you're like, your own child is needing extra assistance. Sometimes there is some shame that goes with that, right? Uh, but we can also be the best advocates for our child. So if you're noticing something and the school isn't, Yes. That is just as very, important for you important. to say to the school, you know what, my child needs extra help. I'd like to pull together an SST, whether it means yes. student study team or student, student success right? team, which I really do yeah. like. <laughs> but I think it's important that you as a parent know as well, like if you're concerned, you know your child better than anybody else, but your child knows themselves, right? You can say to your school, I'm really feeling like there's an additional help that might be necessary. Or what can I do at home to help assist, right? Because, you know, that is important for parents to also be assisting in some ways, but it isn't your purview necessarily. It's not what you chose as a profession. And even if you did, your own children are different than the children you work with every day. I can tell you, you know, working (laughs) with the preschool kids, that was a lot of fun and a lot of greatness. And I loved it. And I loved working with my own children, but a lot different, a lot, lot different. different. You can send the other kids home with their parents, but your children stay with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is a blessing, and sometimes not. <laughs> I know, right? I yeah. always, I always envy those those folks who have grandparents close that you can go just go spend the night at grandma and grandpa's for yeah. a little bit, or auntie and uncle's, or uh, yeah, yeah. I know. So milestones, they are there to help you. They're your own journey. We have tons of resources. What else did we cover today? That they are just as important for parents to recognize yes. their own emotions around as it is for the child's development, because you and your own emotions or the care provider, whatever role you're playing in that child's life um, is just as important because that can layer on top how you react, how you handle it, and then in turn, how you're modeling to the child, but also, you know, being able to have places to go to kind of vet through those feelings and to recognize them as appropriate and whatever they are, but then to move past them as well. Yeah. Thanks. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to Milestones. We appreciate you. Yeah. (laughs) Come back. Tell us how your milestones are going. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to our websites, www.first5shasta.org or www.first5tehama.org for any additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either of us, Wendy at W-D-I-C-K-E-N-S at F-I-R-S-T-5 S-H-A-S-T-A dot org or Heidi at H-M-E-N-D-E-N-H-A-L-L at F-I-R-S-T-5 T-E-H-A-M-A dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you'll join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person?